How is it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast is created to highlight the many dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community today. To be able to provide them with an opportunity and a platform to share their story with the world. Thank you guys for listening, and if you're not already, head over to my YouTube channel called Igbra Outdoors and click that subscribe button. Thank you guys for listening, and enjoy today's episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another podcast. My baby. What's going on, guys? Uh, today's podcast we have on Adam Bartusik. Uh, some of you may know him as Bart or Bardo. However, Sobi would mention his name in Sobi's uh, series he has done with um, Adam a few times, whether it's tournament fishing or the series he did called The One. Um, we're going to have him on today to talk about tournament fishing, fishing Minnesota, and then we'll talk a little bit about um, fishing uh, The One series that him and Sobi created. Um, that was actually really a really good project uh, on YouTube um, that I really enjoyed. I know a lot of people enjoyed. So I'm excited to talk to him about it. So we'll see you guys. So I'm excited to talk to him about that and uh, enjoy. All right. All right. We are recording. We have with us Adam Bartusik. Did I say that right? Bartusik? Bartusik? Yep. Yeah. 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 Pretty good. <laughs> I know you kind of mentioned there's a couple different ways you could say it, but uh, I, I feel you on that because my last name is super hard to say. People like it. It's pronounced Eigbrett, but when people look at it, they say Eigbert or Eigbrett. It's, I feel you on that one. But uh, I couldn't have even guessed. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's just like sick, sick, whatever, man. As long as you get it out, I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was, I was in my intro I did for people. I kind of like uh, I said how in – um, if they watch Sobe's series, how they hear first you as Bart or Bardo or different nicknames kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I get it referred to as a lot. Yeah, most of the guys call me Bart. Um, yeah. That's mainly what I get called a lot of the times. That's pretty funny. But yeah, if you want to start it off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself and kind of how, who and how you got into fishing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Adam Bartusek, obviously. I started fishing, well... I'm from New Prague, Minnesota. If you know uh, the Twin Cities area, that's south of the Twin Cities, about 45 minutes. Um, just kind of in the south metro, smaller town right outside the cities. But I really got into fishing mainly. Um, so I have an aunt and uncle who had a cabin up around Park Rapids, Minnesota. And uh, none of my immediate family really fishes. Um, I have some relatives on, like, if you would look at, like, my great-great-grandpa, like, he had a brother so yep. his like his tree over on that side fishes a ton in my tree nobody had fished really so uh all of a sudden i kind of got this urge to go fishing when we were up at that cabin when i was about 10 11 and uh eventually ended up finding out at another part of the tree who were a bunch of tonka rats uh went in a bunch of denny's tournaments and stuff like that so Ended up figuring that out and uh, moved into New Prague, into town, away from the farm. And my neighbor ended up fishing some bass tournaments. I hopped in one day, and the rest is history. That's pretty sweet. So around what age was that when you kind of jumped in on tournament fishing? Uh, I probably didn't start tournament fishing 
I don't know, maybe 15, 16. I kind of got into it a little late, I suppose, compared to a lot of kids now. Um, basically, when I hopped into it and started doing it, a month or two later, my dad and I drove down to Wabasha and I bought my first like 12 foot John boat. Um, and I couldn't even drive it to the access yet at that point in time. So I was probably 15. Um, my dad would drive me there, dump me in, had that for a little bit, got a 16 foot red Lund boat. That's the first boat I ever fished tournaments in and won tournaments out of. And then, uh, Got a ranger a couple of years ago after I graduated college. I didn't have a boat in college, and that was the worst. Uh, that was like the worst four four months of my life, uh, or four years. It was just terrible. Um, but yeah, I got a ranger right when I graduated, and then just now bought a, a 2017 Triton uh, TRX Anniversary Edition. So nice. I am pretty hyped about that. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see you on the, the four years of not... Uh, being on a boat. I mean, I had four years of not really fishing too much unless it was, you know, end of spring, summer just because of college and being an athlete and, and whatnot. So I, I feel you on the four years of kind of having a, a pause there. But now it's nice because I'm out of college and now I can pretty much focus on fishing outside of the job scene. Um, so it's pretty sweet in that. But um, I kind of got, got the notion that you're really into tournaments before I even really spoke to you over social media um just because watching you on Sobe's series i was always kind of curious why you didn't have it your own channel because you were you know you were you're catching fish you knew what you were doing you were good at talking to the camera because like literally I, I could probably the first five videos that you were in with Sobe in, in recent i was you know checking his bio to see if you would have a tagged you know youtube link for your own channel because i was waiting for that to happen i was like <laughs> the channel i really don't want to watch it but um, it seems like every video you're you're in, it seems like you guys are always fishing tournaments, and you guys do pretty well um, on those weekly, you know, the nighters and, and whatnot. So has that been yeah. like always a thing, or do you? How many tournaments do you do a year? Like, how's it? Um, so, a couple different things, I guess, to add on to that. I got you. I don't have a YouTube channel just because right now. Um, Basically, when I was in college, I uh, I started ice fishing a lot with my buddy Brent Lopez and Sam, um, and I was a part of this group called Team Yukon Outdoors. You might be familiar with them on Instagram or YouTube or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but two or three years ago, that's when where Sam kind of got his start in a videography was when um, we started doing a big YouTube series, and Sam edited it, and then he ended up getting hired by Peric the year after. And we didn't have anyone to edit, so I was like, well, shit, I guess I need to edit now. And uh, I started editing for it and um, did that for a winter. And it was a blast, but it was so much work. And um, that was when my career kind of was taken off and everything, too. So I just decided I didn't really want, you know, I stepped away from that and let my other friends take over because I just wasn't fully invested in it emotionally. I just want to fish the Elite Series. Like yeah. I'm a hundred percent a competitor. I grew up playing golf, basketball, uh, basically any sport you could think of. I just love competing. Yep. So, uh, I like fun fishing and everything, but for me, like there always has to be a goal and I want to beat that goal. And my number one favorite goal is beating everyone else. So <laughs> that, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just a hundred percent a competitor. Um, but last year I fished like, I don't know, 25, 30 derbies. That's including like some small Tuesday nighters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Sobe. The Tourney Tuesdays, I think we have like 10, 12 of them. But on weekends, I fish uh, five. Uh, it's a five derby circuit in summer in Minnesota. And then I basically fish everything that's big on Lake Minnetonka. So mm. my big tournaments, I probably fish 10 to 12 of them a year. Um, and then throw in a bunch of, you know, little Tuesday nighters. And then every once in a while, a random big one will come up in the summer and I'll go do that too. But that's about what I do. I just like competing. That's pretty sweet. So you gotten to know the, the Minnesota lakes pretty well then doing all the different derbies. Yeah. Well, and then it's honestly what helped me learn a lot of stuff a lot more was like ice fishing. Um, when we did all of our traveling, like that one winter when I edited, I think I edited like 30 videos in two or three months. Um, we were putting out two or three a week while working a full-time job. Um, and every weekend I'd be driving somewhere. So I went from, you know, northern Minnesota, just staying in the Twin Cities, out to North Dakota, over to Wisconsin, like traveled a ton and I've done a lot of it. So kind of gotten a little bit of everything in terms of uh the whole editing background a little bit of multi-species stuff and it, it just always comes back to when's the next derby and where can i go catch a large mouth or small mouth bass <laughs> so i mean you, you mentioned kind of like there's some bigger tournaments and, and whatnot are there any kind of like what bigger tournaments would you fish i guess for example and i guess are there any that are kind of highlighted that you did well that you kind of remember over others yeah um so some of the bigger ones i do like they're always on minnetonka <laughs> like that's yeah. where all the big derbies are in minnesota yeah. to be honest there's a there's a big tournament in the spring on the mississippi river called the saint jude um normally fighter fishes at wheelers fished it before there's normally a couple elite series guys there um but I done I took thirteenth I think in that one year. But the big part of that one was um, we were in like mid forties after day one. We dropped a mega sack on day two and jumped up like thirty something spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that one was really cool, especially because like I've notoriously just not been very good on the river, and to finally like have it click one day out when you're out there was a lot of fun. But otherwise, it's always on Tonka. I'm actually really proud of the fact that last year I cashed a check in every tournament I had on Minnetonka, which is like insanely difficult to do. And I'm just fully ready to get kicked in the balls and do terrible (laughs) next year now because of it. It's all going to catch up to you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So like the Blackfish Classic is out there, the Minnetonka Classic. Uh, Those are always ones I look forward to. But now I'm starting to look more towards I I would wish the opens would come up here more. Last year they went to the river, but it lapped over like the Tonka Classic and I just didn't want to fish the river. Um I wish they would come back up here more and fish like Vermilion or Leech or even Minnetonka, but for some reason Minnesota's like government just hates the bass tournament agencies. Like the fact yeah. they even gotta to go to Malax is just mind blowing to be honest. <laughs> And so those are kind of the only lakes in Minnesota that can kind of host a big tournament like that? Well, there's a lot of them. You got, honestly, probably the best lake in Minnesota that nobody's thought of to have a tournament on, and it would be the best, and everybody would love it, would be Vermilion. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just massive. It could be one on smallies or largies. It could be one shallow, deep. It could be one so many different ways in August, and everybody would love it because yeah. it's like a Canadian shield lake, basically. Uh, that would be really cool. 
Leech could host it, but I don't think a fish is big enough. Um, you could maybe do like the Gull Lake chain or Whitefish chain. Those are kind of smaller end too. Otherwise, it'll be like Minnetonka or the river. But the river, unless they host it in Wabasha, which is Lake Pepin, pools four and five, they're always going to do it down in Lacrosse just because like that's the best stretch of river, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I know. You know, you guys are kind of known for that multi-species and the good mix of smallmouth and and largemouth, and I'm pretty familiar with that being from New York. I'm um, in the like the heart of the Finger Lakes and the Great Lakes, so it's you get a good. So you're mix. supposed to like Oneida and Cayuga, then is that what is out there? Yeah, so like if you're if you're looking at a map, I am probably 40 minutes west of of Cayuga, and then uh, Oneida okay. is about a, uh, an hour drive northeast. So okay. Is Cayuga, yeah. like, as good as they say it is, like, it didn't even show out last year? It's, so New York, New York, in August in New York, absolutely sucks everywhere. Um, it's, for some reason, it's just that weird summer slump. But from, you know, end of February, for when, you know, there's open water everywhere, pretty much until the 1st of August or end of July, it is absolutely fire. Like, people throw out 30-pound bags on Cayuga, it's 20-plus pound bags all the time at Oneida, which are kind of hard to do because if you catch, like, a three-pound smallmouth on Oneida, that's that's pretty dang good because they don't get that big in there. Um, it would be interesting to see what they do this year on Oneida because there's a huge fish die-off. Uh, guys have gone out there, and they've seen just dead smallmouth everywhere, which is weird. They don't know what's going on bacteria-wise. Um, but the best place to go around here, if you're going for, like, mega sacks of smallmouth, not largemouth, uh, Lake Ontario – uh, up above not many people fish it but when you find them you find a school of you know 40 to 50 of just straight four to six pound smallmouth um lake erie the they guys will throw 28 to 32 pounds out there there was i think i think they said over 37 pound smallmouth caught in lake erie like at least on record uh mm-hmm. in the spring which is kind of ridiculous like that's a <laughs> that's a lot of big smallmouth uh, yeah, Felix and Fighter have always mentioned Ontario, and Willard says that too. Like Lake Ontario is just out of this world, and we have like that hidden gem, like up in it'd be northeastern Wisconsin or like the UP of Michigan, I guess, is yep. Badenoch. They talk about that. Like okay. nobody goes there; it's all walleye fishermen. But it's like I think they had an NABC there, and it was like twenty-eight pounds of smallies one. It's just ridiculous. And that was middle of summer. That wasn't even spring or fall. Yeah. Like, they're just crazy big. But, yeah, I remember Seth was saying, like, for Cayuga, he was really excited to go there because it fishes a lot like Tonka. Uh Um, But, the like, I had heard, like, guys need to weigh in all six-pounders, and I was like, that's outrageous. That's not possible for largemouth in in the northern states. But that's why I was curious. I've heard it's just crazy. Uh, it's if you pretty much have that tournament at Cayuga, um, pretty much you know, mid June before then, you're gonna need 25 plus a day to win because there are huge fish in that lake. I mean, um, they had a they did a it's called Rochester Bassmasters, they did it in May, mm-hmm. uh, like a weekend before season open. So they did a what the MLF format, but they still kept it to yep. your biggest five. Um, yeah, and it took. 31.8, I think. So there's like three bags over 30 pounds. Yeah. It's, it shows out like. 
Yeah, like my buddy of mine fished it, and he got I think he got twelfth, and he had twenty six. So that, you know, it the lake shows out in the spring for sure. Uh, it's just there's spots in the lake that people know about that people will cycle through that just reload like hour by hour. So you can catch the crap out of them and then it'll slow a little bit. You'll come back 15 minutes later and it's like a new wave of fish are there. And it's, it's just, it's interesting how the lake works. Cause it's not like any other of the lakes that we have here. It's just, it's just the system kind of works. It's the only lake that we have in New York that you can ledge fish on, but not many people know about it. And I'm sure some guys might be pissed that I'm now mentioning that on a podcast, but there there are ledges in the lake that you can fish. That that's where you know the guys that win in the in the summer months. That's where they go is they find on that ledge. And it's not that it's not that hard to find on avionics. It's just if you know how to fish it like a ledge. It's the really yeah. Well, most northern guys they get to a ledge and they just panic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. exactly what happens. So, like, if I wanted to come up to New York, because me and my buddies have talked about making that swing, because, like, we want to fish the St. Lawrence and stuff, too. But, like, we don't want to miss any derbies around here, but we want to make, like, you know, a week-long trek and head Cayuga, Oneida, and, like, the St. Lawrence or Ontario for a couple days. Um, What's the best time to do it? Like, is mid-September, end of September good? Or, like, I know that can be kind of hit or miss for smallies, but, like, if you find them, it is outrageous. So you're you're talking about coming fall time? Yeah, probably. Well, I guess we could do in the spring, but like, I guess we could do in the spring. I never really <laughs> thought of that because we have seasons out here. So like, I don't yeah. even think of bass fishing before like May first around here because it's not legal unless you're on the yeah. Mississippi River. In New York, you can bass fish all year round, which is one of the nice parts about New York. Um, so if you can, if you hit it in like April, May. That's probably the best time frame, like maybe end of March, because we haven't had much of an ice season here. Um, if it's a if it's a short winter, it, I think April, end of March to even through May is the best times to hit it. Um, then, but if you're gonna come fall time, I would go mid like mid October, depending on how the climate's working uh, next like this upcoming season. But mid October is probably your best bet, and that's when smallies do move up. And guys really get on them, especially some of the other other finger lakes we have. Like uh, Canisius Lake is a really good one that you know takes okay. for a weekend derby out of Canisius. It takes you know twenty two to twenty five pounds to win. Um, and then there's you know Cuca. Like literally any finger lake you have is gonna show out. Just don't go to like a there's like a Honey Oil Lake, which is a small thumb one. You wouldn't want to go to that one. I mean, if you want to catch two hundred fish in a day, <laughs> you can go to Honey Oil, but you won't really <laughs> catch anything over two and a okay. half pounds. Um, but dude, it's, if you were going to head out here, uh, Cayuga, that's a great one to hit. You know, the river, like you mentioned, Lake Ontario, Shamont Bay, those are all really good ones. Uh, Cuca. Basically you're telling me like April or mid October. That's like the time to do it, which is great because that doesn't intermix with anything over here. Cause we're basically starting to batten down the hatches for winter. Yeah, I mean, basically, the whole, I mean, from spring to fall, like, outside of ice season, you can get on a big bag. August is probably the hardest month, but for, like, for people that don't know the area like the locals do, um, those months are probably your best bet if you're going from a, you know, a spring to a um, a fall kind of uh, standpoint. Like, if you wanted one month out of each, April and October are your best bet. Yeah, that's crazy, though, too, that, like, your guys' months are that good then because, like, 
all the elites or FLW guys who go fish the Finger Lakes over there for Minnesota, they always do well because they get over there and they're like, it's, it's literally Minnesota. It's yeah. the exact same. But what's funny is like our best month by far is August, mid-July, <laughs> August, dog days, which like maybe it's because you don't have ice as long as we do. So maybe they yeah. actually hit the dog days because like once you get to the end of August, it kind of starts slowing down. But like that's when we're talking about like I catch like the six pounders I've caught most of them that weren't in like, I guess, the one series where I caught that one. That was 656. But like all yeah. my other six pounders I've ever caught are mid July through mid August. And like when I catch one, I can go back there and catch another one. And like, you know, a week later, like for some reason, the six pounders just start eating in mid July through mid August around here. Don't really know why. But that's crazy that Cayuga is that bad then. It's, it's weird. You know, there's just time, like it's like a, it's not even a month. It's like a, almost like a two to three week spread where they're just, it's awful. And like, it's just weird. It's just a weird way to describe it. Cause it's just be, they become so finicky and so spread out that like guys have gone through and they'll go through the middle of the lake Cayuga when it gets pretty deep. Like it's a lot of guys go out to lake trout fish it. Um, mm-hmm. And they'll go and people will graph and some, some sometimes catch, you know, six, seven pounders sitting on the bottom in over 100 foot in the middle of the lake where there's nothing but a barren wasteland. Like, it's just weird behavior out of them. Um, That's of them crazy. Cause I don't think that would ever happen around here. See, what's what's interesting is because we get we, – a lot of our fisheries are mixed in with lakers and, and different – like some salmon. Um, and what the – what smallmouth have been known to do in New York because we have glacier lakes, so it's the big bulls. So yeah. there's really not much to really sit on or kind of then, then you know, kind of stick to. Uh, what yeah. the smallmouth do is they'll come up shallow and they'll spawn. But once it's post-spawn, they you will only really find them uh, at night fishing topwater and shallow. If it's during the day, they're they're running with the Lakers. They're schooling bait with Lakers. So, so if you find school lake trout, you'll find the smallmouth. Yeah. Yeah, they're just Cisco chasers, yeah. which are like the hardest smallmouth to catch in the world. Because, it's, like, all those elite guys or whatever, like, when you're watching live and they're like, oh, smallmouth moves so much, they're so hard. Like, they've never fished a Cisco Lake. Dude, yeah. Cisco smallies are unbelievable. They just don't stop. They go, 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 go. And they're huge. But they do not stop swimming. Like, if yeah. you hit spotlock on your trolling motor, you will lose them in 15 yep. to 20 minutes. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, if you watch Benjamin Nowak's channel. He's like the he's a smallmouth experience now, but he made a, a video using live scope, and it's him and Alex Rudd out uh, on a I think I think it was a Michigan lake um, of them chasing schooling smallmouth, and it's like on their map, it's just figure eights everywhere trying to find them in the live scope because you'll catch one, and the school's halfway across the lake the next time because they just they just don't like you said they don't stop, and it's just weird about northern smallmouth. It's yeah, just... I need to watch that channel because, like, we we have some lakes that, like, you know, there's some derby lakes in Minnesota that, like, I feel like there's a lot of untapped stuff still here right now. Like, we have some really good anglers is now, like, the tour and everything are starting to see, you know, you're seeing more guys come out of here. But I feel like there's so much untapped here just because for years 
most of our derbies are held on the same lakes forever and nobody really tries anything new. And yeah. now people are seeing all these new techniques and stuff are getting one different ways. And there are a handful of smally lakes we fish that are like, once you hit whole spawn, basically people give up because largemouth fishing is pretty good there. So you can yeah. go win it on largemouth, but everybody knows like if you find a dumb school of smallies, you're probably going to win. <laughs> and if you can figure out those Cisco chasers or whatever, that'd be a big advantage to you. I mean, you just have to keep it quiet, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there probably are guys that do have it figured out and they're keeping quiet and they probably don't want yeah, to bring us the derbies because people will find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're probably guys who live up in Northern Minnesota that don't fish any derbies and just fish during the week out there and just whack them all the time. And nobody yeah. ever knows. Yeah, is you never know, and until you're out there and you kind of actually see them doing it, but uh, it's something. Our the northern fisheries are so like I'm, the Chickamaugas and everything. They get such hype, which they should, because they they pull out huge bags. But yeah. there are so many underrated bodies of water in the north that can hold huge fish. Like I mean, I would love to see more. I mean, obviously weather sucks in the north, so like doing a derby on Lake Erie or like in Ontario, they, I don't think they've ever really done one in Ontario. They have people who run from the bays that they host them on to Ontario. I don't think they have anywhere to host it, right? Yeah, it's That's I mean, the bigger problem. It's because of the Canadian border and everything. They don't really have anywhere to host it that's good, right? And there's there's places in Ohio, an Erie PA, that they could do it. Or I'm, I'm pretty okay. fairly confident they could do it out of Safe Harbor in Buffalo. Um, doing it out of Safe Harbor Buffalo, you're kind of risking guys going over that borderline. Um, but if you do it out of like out of PA or Ohio, like Sandusky Harbor, you they've they host it on Sandusky Harbor a bunch. Um, for at least like um, I think the was the open or I think the college tournaments they do it out of Sandusky. Um, but there's an FLW tour out of Erie, like in the last decade or something, too. I think at one point, it's but like three right. days canceled, so they haven't done it again. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's the weather is so unpredictable there, especially the wind in the summer in the Northeast. Like, dude, I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure you guys experienced the same up in Minnesota. Is you'll wake up and it'll say like an east wind at three, and you'll get there and it's a north at ten, and it makes no sense. It's just. Yeah, we so, don't get a ton of wind really here in the summer, to be honest. Um, most of the stuff in the summer here is thunderstorms, and they yeah. mainly come in the afternoon. So, like, you'll have some windy days, but for the most part, our winds pretty consistently are south through northwest. So, like, you know, in that radius, all weather in Minnesota comes from the west, like, almost always. Every once in a while, it comes from the south, but otherwise, it always comes from the west. Um, so you get, you know, cold front days, it's out of the East cause the system just went through, but otherwise yeah. it's almost always blowing out of that direction. Uh, yeah. but like uh, almost every weekend in the summer we'll get thunderstorms. That's why so many of me and Sobey's tourney Tuesday videos, you know, it's like, Oh, go away rain. It's like, yeah, we just had a <laughs> storm push through real quick and we need it to finish. And normally they only last like 30 minutes, but yeah, that's all we it's... have to deal with. We don't get a lot of wind in the fall. Like when we're doing those fall filmings and everything that yeah. god we get days where it just blows for 30 for like two or three days in a row it's just unbelievable yeah it's we get those sometimes here but i mean it's it's for, it's weird because we get like a week that's you know the high it's a high of five miles an hour maybe 
and then they get weeks that it's like constant 15 for the entire week. It's it's tricky, and if it's like an east or west wind, you're perfectly fine because a lot of not, a lot of our lakes are like almost like pencils. Like yeah, uh, I've seen at, that actually. That's yeah, that's really crazy. Because they're it's they're glacier lakes, so it's pretty much just the melt of a glacier going from north to south, and that is yeah. the the deposit. So any north or south wind you get, you're pretty much screwed because you can see from the from north to south from end of the lake, if it's even if it's 15 miles, like you can see the ends of it. But it's like if you get an east or west wind, no one really cares because you can just if it's an east wind, you can hit the east side if you want to get out of the wind. If it's that sort of deal. Um, but like if it blows at least 10 from the south or, uh, you know, if it blows 10 from the south, the south end is where you'll see like all the boats go. Cause if it's over 10, like the north end is going to be like footers. Like you're going to be getting hit in white caps. You're going to be, it's not going to be very enjoyable, you know? Yeah. That's nuts. Okay. So I'll have to remember from this then if I'm going to come out there, I got to do April, October. We got off on a hell of a tangent there, but yeah, yeah. I do need to come off that way really badly. I'll have to tell Hayden that instead of going down south, uh, we need to go out east because apparently you guys don't have ice as long, and we can fish the way we like to up here, but over there. So that sounds way more fun than going down to like Grand and praying for ten bites. Dude, yeah, New York is the way, is the place to be in the spring, and like if you want to get on a a huge school of smallmouth too. Come to go to Buffalo and launch out of Safe Harbor and get on, you know the the break walls because they all move up shallower. Um, they're on the break walls too, and you not only will you catch those, you'll catch you know thirty plus inch walleye. Uh, my buddy and I went out there and uh, we were catching like some three pounders off the break walls, and um, he hooked into a sturgeon. He caught a thirty inch walleye. Like the sturgeon was over a five foot thing, was massive. I was mm-hmm. so pissed. This has been the coolest footage on YouTube. I was I was guarantee it if I actually caught it. But I'm, I'm putting back a three-pounder, and I have my chesty on. So I'm like this, uh, hanging off the side of the boat. And I look to my mm-hmm. right, because he fought it for like 10 minutes. And it jumps right at the trolling motor, almost hits the trolling motor. And I'm like that. And it figures if I had just had been like this, I would have caught the sturgeon jumping out of the water. There's boats oh, around, this guy's flipping out. It, it was it was insane. But um, pretty much any offshore rock in the spring or fall on Lake Erie, you're, you're going to find fish. But there's so many hammers out there, but there are also so many fish that it's you'll have 50 it fish just days. Matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't. The lake is so big and has such a huge population of smallmouth that it's ridiculous. And guys talk about there's like hidden gems in Lake Erie where guys have dropped 25 pounds of largemouth, but like no one knows where they are. So it's like it's like this myth people say when they bring in largemouth. They're like, oh, I don't know. Like no one gives up the largemouth spots because they're so special. It's weird. But, yeah, and they're probably consistent because they're always there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because yeah, they don't go yeah. mainly because it's not it's not it's not a place for a largemouth to be. Like they just don't they don't like that. It's mm-hmm. that's interesting. But uh, we have a lot of good fisheries, dude. Like I'm telling you, there's uh, some of the smaller lakes we have, the Finger Lakes. There's eights or nines that have been caught. Like I'm guarantee you, there's a ten or ten or two or even more in Cayuga because there's so many eight pounders caught high eights uh in the spring i think sam and i might have to come out there to film for the one next fall i was thinking about where we could go to really like 
expand it. And I was like, I've heard Cayuga is really good, but I just doesn't don't know if it actually has them. I've just heard the rumors. So to hear it from you and say like, there's so many eight pounders caught, it's like, well, I only need a seven. I don't need an eight. So, <laughs> dude, when we go offline here, I'll send you a couple YouTube links and, and some posts that guys have made to kind of reassure you that that Cayuga's got them. Like it's. It is the place to be. If you're in New York and you're a largemouth fisherman, Cayuga is the place to be in the pre-spawn. Like, it's ridiculous. Because um, hmm. not only do you catch a lot of them, but they're all huge. <laughs> like, you, you'll catch, like, a 15-incher, and it'll weigh three and a half pounds. Like, they just get so fat. Um, so it's... Ah, that's it's, unbelievable. Yeah, I got to go out there. Yeah, you guys have to let out. me know, and if I can't <laughs> go out with you, I'll have to hook you up with somebody who knows who knows the place, but... Um, it's yeah. Maybe it's, I'll break in my boat that way. I just got the new boat. Maybe I'll come tear out there in the beginning of April with Hayden and Sobe and be go. like, all right, we're just gonna go flip all day. <laughs> there you go. That's all I mean. All you need when you go to Cayuga in the in the spring is a jig, and you know, jig and a swim bait. That's that's really all you need. Maybe a drop <laughs> shot, but I mean, they're just so like. They're so kinged in on, like, pretty much any bait you throw at them, they're going to eat because they're... Are just... they just minnow chasers, or is there any, like, uh, crayfish or anything like that out there? There's a lot of, you know, when it comes over that 52-degree that mark, you know, when when crayfish are kind of known to come out of, you know, yeah. their, their wintering holes or, what, or whatever have you, um, there is a lot of crayfish, and it, that's what like, heavy it heavily is in the spring um like throwing you know your crawfish patterns liplesses or medium divers uh really you don't need anything over like a maybe a 6xd type of deal in in new york um but there's a lot of rock piles um not just there's like a lot of natural rock piles but there's also guys that people will will graph it and they'll find like just small rock piles that people have gone and kind of like made their own like you'll find christmas trees down the middle of the lake and it makes no sense but People go and drop them there because it's like their little honey holes. But there's they're like structure. Like you can find a lot of rock piles in, in Cayuga. Um, but a Was lot it of pretty it, abnormal that like Gussie did so well throwing a football jig out there in August? No. no that, really. was, that was something that's known. So like people use jigs a lot in New York, but pretty much the majority of people that throw jigs and do well with it are at Cayuga. For some reason, fish just like big fish love it out there. Uh, like heavy chatterbaits, um, football jigs are good in the summer. Um, pretty much, you know, drop shotting, swim baits, uh, a rigs people will throw sometimes too. Um, it's it's a kind of a weird transition of yeah. what you throw. Like are they going uh, after this year? I think they are. I think someone is. I can't remember which series it is. I I would imagine one of them is. I'll have to look it up. I should look it up right now. Look at it right now. Because I'm pretty sure they are. I thought I remembered seeing the schedule this year, and I was like, oh, my God, they might hit 100 pounds every event. <laughs> if they go there in the spring, that would be incredible. Incredible to watch, but all the locals would be so pissed because it literally exposes how good KU can be. Okay, it's not the Elite Series. It might be the FLW Tour. The Pro Circuit? Yeah, or whatever that's called now. I can't follow along. <laughs> yeah, guys yeah. were around like the your locals that fish only our Finger Lakes were uh, were happy that uh, 
people did not so good on Cayuga this past summer because they're like, oh, yes, it reassures people that New York sucks. It's, it's still ours, like that kind of thing. Yeah, kind of- yeah. I was surprised. And uh, they're not going there either, so I must have just mm-hmm. imagined that. But So maybe I'll no get a. Yeah, I'll get a, I'll get to come out there. But, yeah, I just had heard going up to it. Like, my friend Matt Waldron was telling me, he's like, yeah, dude, I've just heard that, like, like Minnetonka is a really good lake. And, like, they've been talking about eventually bringing an Elite Series tournament here. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do, like, Seth's going to win it. There's, like, he will. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind Seth's going to win that tournament. Um, but the best part is, like, you will see so many three, like, three point. Well, it's going to be in a few years if it happens. So the weights will be different. But, like, last yeah. year when I did well in all my events, I cannot tell you how many 3.6 to 4.1s I put on a call bean. Like, I was just calling three and three quarters and, like, hanging a 3.76 next to a 3.78, and they're just, like, barely tipping. And <laughs> it was just one after another. There's so many of them. But when I was talking to Waldo about Cayuga, he was saying, like, dude, so imagine Tonka's fours, but they're all fives. I was like, there's no way there's a lake that good in the north. <laughs> So it's crazy to hear that there actually is. And Tonka's got giants, too. There was a seven-pounder weighed in the Blackfish this year. Me and uh, Waldo weighed a six. Um, that was the last weekend of July. But, yeah, but Tonka's an unbelievable lake. And the houses out there, I guarantee you, are bigger than any lake in the north. When um when they go there, like, the scenery out there is unbelievable. One from houses and two from hot chicks. It is crazy. <laughs> There's so much money on that lake. Kim Kardashian had a house out there for a while. Um, at, like most celebrities actually have vacation houses out there, but like they just don't tell anyone. That's pretty funny. So you're just walking down the street and you see Johnny Depp getting up for his morning coffee. Well, not Johnny Depp, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's, there's a lot pro athletes that are out there that have them and stuff like that. It's crazy. Like absolutely crazy. KG had a house out there for a long time. Um, it's, I mean, most of the houses out there are worth over 10 mil. Jeez. Yeah, we have some lakes that are like that on New York as well. Like, uh, Cayuga, for how well known it is, the house is really, like Mid Lake, you'll find some very expensive houses. But like the northern and southern tips aren't really too, like what you would think they would be. Um, mm-hmm. But Canandaigua, uh, which is. Uh, kind of be good at fishing. You gotta hit it right because it's one of those lakes where it's predominantly smallmouth, and then there's a good population of wiresmouth in the south. Um, if you mm-hmm. come, up, do not hit Canadagua unless you want to chase lake trout. If you want to catch any bass, um, mm-hmm. but uh, like um, I think they said, like Kenny Chesney lived on Canadagua at one point. Uh, Tim McGraw or something like that. Like, yeah, but they, they get pretty expensive. Up, I guess, kind of depends what lake. But yeah. We gotta stop, talk, talk, stop talking about how much we love the North and everything. All these Southern guys <laughs> listen to this podcast and be like, "What am I doing down South? I'm getting four bites a day. It's not nice out ever." And come up North in the summer and it's beautiful. The weather's great. Catch tons of fish. They're all yeah. giant. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's so much fun. Like I can tell you, a lot of the pros that I have on that are from down South, or really anybody from down South, always talks about how much they want to come North. Um, mm-hmm. like I had Alton Jones on, uh, the other day and he was always talking about, I was like, dude, I love the river. I love the river. And like Josh Bertrand, like he loved, he, he all he could talk about was St. Lawrence. Cause I mean, he won there. So obviously mm-hmm. he loves that place, but, um, 
that place is just so much different than the rest of New York. Like, you can do some drift fishing on, like, Erie and Ontario um, if you have, like, a good long stretch of rock piles that you have offshore. But, like, St. Lawrence is pretty much predominantly, unless you're dropping right on one, you are fishing drifts. Like, you are finding a good section, and you are just holding your rod out and kind of controlling your, your trolling motor. That, that's it. Like, if you're trying yeah, to stay in one spot all day, so it's going to be rough. Is that, there's probably a bite like that on the Mississippi River that no one's really figured out yet because, like, never had to. Yeah. Uh, I want to look at, see how they do it on the St. Lawrence because you can probably duplicate it in the Mississippi River. Yeah. I mean, pretty much it's just, like, three-quarter ounce, you know, drop shot weights, if not heavier, depending on the depth you're fishing and just dragging a swim bait on a drop shot and letting the current pendulum for you. Like, you literally don't do anything. Until you just you're feeling yourself drag and you your rod just starts to bend and that's just how you know. How do you know like when you're graphing like do you see the smallies or do you uh, see a ton of junk fish mainly or like how do you know that it's smallies not like um you know carp whatever might be down there. So for me, I actually don't have a boat, so I fish from primarily a kayak. So um, I've been to St. Lawrence a few times um back in the day and but a lot of my information i'm spitting out to you at st lawrence is from good buddies i have that actually fish it um, yeah graphing wise i could if you're looking to actually go up there i can put you in touch with guys that will know exactly what you're talking about i've never yeah. graphed up there obviously um okay. but i have a buddy who who did and uh, he could tell you all that information um but i mean primarily what they're looking for is Kind of the more they're looking for more rock structure up there, like a certain stretch that has bigger boulders than any others. Oh, okay. Um, so, so like you'll, down you'll graph fish. Is they're just looking for a few rocks. Yeah, you'll you'll graph fish, but depending on what time of year you hit it, you'll be like your stretch will be of you know forty to fifty foot of water. So with side imaging, you're really not going to get much on there. Uh, fish wise you're more of a looking for structure than you are yeah i'm just fish. looking for a couple rocks so i feel confident when i drift i might exactly. actually catch exactly yeah that's what you're hoping for because like th that one stretch you find that has fish on it because you won't really know until you actually fish it that you're gonna hit that like six seven times because you're gonna you're gonna float down you're gonna motor up and you're gonna just keep drifting down that's kind of how they do it up there um mm -hmm. there's certain like pockets and places in there like uh, I don't know if you watched the one this past summer. Hunter Shryock dropped like 22, 23 pounds of largemouth just flipping and frogging. Like, yeah, I, don't know. I didn't see that. Actually. Yeah, it's like when you're in the St. Lawrence, why aren't you fishing for smallmouth? It's just like, it's one of the best places yeah, in the country. So yeah, and there's a lot of them. Like, it's, I'm excited. To, like, I know, you know, they get such bad flack, the MLF, but I'm excited to see what they do up there numbers wise. I think they're going to break records, like shatter records. Oh, they could do that anywhere in the north, though. Like, seriously, if they came up here, like, I can name 100 lakes they could go to and probably catch 200 pounds. Like, I mean, we ha we actually have, so we have an MLF uh, circuit in Minnesota, Wisconsin. Yeah. It's called the Champions Tour. It's a big deal. A lot of the guys who fish um, FLW events and stuff actually fish that tour when they come home. Um, and, like, yeah, you got to catch, like, 80 to 100 pounds normally to win one of those. About that's yeah. about what it normally is for a day, no matter what they go to. Well, it's a one day event, but they'd catch that many every day. Like, there's just so many yeah. fish. And I think Fighter Fighter won one, and I think he weighed 140. 
Yeah, and it's just, and he was catching on every cast. Like, if you come, if they come north, I mean, duh, they're going to shatter records. Like, people thought Table Rock was dumb. I was like, dude, like, let's go to a weed line up north. Like, they're just yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to a dock. Like, I was watching one of them, and my buddy, like, Will Papa, they're on one of them. And um, he told me, he's like, dude, I weighed 18 fish under one dock. I was like, what? He's like, I sat there for an hour and I weighed 18 fish. I just kept skipping under it thinking I'd run out and I just didn't. I kept weighing them. <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it must just be, I, I wonder if that's like a school under there or if they're just reloading that much. Like if fish actually cycle through the docks. Like, well, you probably caught the same fish once or twice, but like it was probably just a school of them. That's nuts. Was it like is a it, deep dock or is it like your typical? And then just pulled under there. That's weird. We have some yeah. deep docks here in New York, too. Like, certain lakes you hit, like, some docks are in 70 foot of water, which is ridiculous. Yeah, no, we do not have that. That is yeah. definitely not a thing here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't <laughs> have any floating docks. So, like, when guys get down south and, like, they're fishing those Smith Lake floating docks and stuff, yeah. like, I can't name you a lake on the, in Minnesota that has floating docks. They're mm -hmm. all to the bottom. Like, they might be deep dock and be, like, 10 feet, but... yeah. I legitimately can't think of a dock that's deeper than 10 feet. I mean, maybe if you find some lakes up north, but, like, they don't float. Like, they yeah. have their poles in, and they stick out a bit further. That's it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way, like, after um, the spawn's over and things start to get into that summer month kind of grind, um, that's one pattern that a lot, some people do. And, like, uh, Fred Rubanis has a video out. of He's on Cuca Lake. And he's throwing big swim baits under docks because, like, uh, New York, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Minnesota is, one of the same, is the same way. Is when you have those dog days of summer and it's like it's flat, calm, not much wind, and the sun's you know sun's hot, not much clouds in the sky. They get under docks a lot of the time. Like you can have your offshore spots, but a lot of time you can literally just see them from 30, 40 yards away, sitting under docks. You see the head under the dock, and you just throw a big swim bait or a wacky rig. And you're not, I, I hate throwing a wacky rig. Like a lot of guys throw jigs. Like, dock fishing is huge up here, too. Like, especially if you come in the summer months. Um, but it's, it's it's interesting. But the deep docks, a lot of guys like to throw big swim baits under them. Just because, like, mm -hmm. they have the room for it. And big fish still sit under docks. Like, as long as you have that shade, they don't care. And plus, it's deeper water, so it's going to be colder naturally. So it's Yeah, we don't. we don't have a lot of guys who throw swim baits around here. Because, do you have pike or do you have pickerel? Uh, we have both, which sucks. Yeah. So nobody <laughs> throws swim baits around here just because we have so many damn pike. And, like, you just burn through swim baits. So basically everyone gave up on it. And we have a lot of muskies, too. But, like, muskies are yeah. uh, they're harder to catch. And they're pretty cool when you catch one. So that's fine. Yeah. But, like, there's just so many 20-inch pike. It's unbelievable. Like, Cayuga, when they were going through them, and Seth was just like, yes, yeah, just like a day on Tonka. I was like, yep, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Been through that yeah, the exact same thing. annoying with that, dude. There's so many pickerel. Uh, there's not a lot of northerns unless you go south. Um, then you get a little bit more of them. But um, I'm trying to think. I don't think Cuca has muskie. They might though. But Cuca, you can you can catch pickerel, northerns, Lakers. You'll run into like a huge multi-species bag when you if you go south during the summer months. Um, when a lot of those you know those bigger fish move south because that's colder water, deeper water. Um, mm -hmm. they you can run into Lakers, Browns, Northerns, pickerel, like but the pickerel are everywhere up, up here in New York, and it's 
I, I hate them. They're an abomination. I can't stand them. Uh, and that's like a common that's trend too. About it too. That and rock bass. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We get some. We get some. Big, we actually have rock bass tournaments up here, which blows my mind that people get up at butt crack at dawn to catch rock bass. It just that is mind blowing. Yeah. I can yeah. imagine a person would enjoy that. And they wait a couple grand too. Like it's not like a small tournament either. Maybe I need to come that way. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of rock bass before. They're not very hard to catch. <laughs> There's your calling. You're gonna go pro for rock yeah. bass. <laughs> I'm gonna come up that way so I can catch some bigger largemouth, and then I'm just gonna fish all the Rocco tournaments. There you go. There you go. There's your calling. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> so is that is that the plan for you then? You're going after I'm assuming the opens first and then trying to get make the elites? Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's always been my dream. Um, Sam and I have always talked about that's why like he does the whole YouTube thing and uh, doing that full time like him and I had the discussion back in college about like you know maybe me starting a channel too and how we could make it work and like what was the best way to do it and I decided to go with the corporate route of getting a job and you know get finances figured out and stuff and then try to do it that way but um, I'm thinking that you know by the time I'm about 30 probably go fish the opens um i'm fishing like all the bass sanctioned stuff around here like the team trail i fish is the bass team trail to try to fish like the national title and go on to a classic um and like do that sort of stuff so i can get more exposure down south uh but yeah like my next step basically is next year my buddy aaron not and myself are uh we're gonna try as long as we get in on registration because from what i'm hearing it's gonna be crazy um crazy amount of people trying to get in we're going to go fish the ABT 100, which mm. is uh, it's a team trail in Alabama. They have the Alabama team trail, but this team trail, it's only three events, team events. Uh, entry fees are $1,000 an event, um, and it is only 100 boats, and it's only three events. But uh, the Elite Series guys can fish it, and like everybody can, so I have heard – that like Swindle, Watson, like guys like that are gonna be fishing, but they can't fish together. It's like one pro and one am. So uh, Aaron and I are just, I'm just going down there because one, like from, I've fished Gunnersville for a national championship before and I've talked to guys who fished Alabama. Yeah. In terms of down south, Alabama fishes the most like up north because there's so much grass. And if it's not a yeah. grass lake, it's a spot lake. So like, it's just kind of like smallies. Um, so I want to go down there because, uh, I think one tournament's on lay, which is all spots. That'll be interesting. Cause that's in the middle of winter. So I have no idea how to catch a fish on a bass rod at that point in time. No <laughs> clue. Couldn't even begin to guess. Uh, but then like June one is on Eufaula and I've heard basically Eufaula is like Cayuga right now, except they're all seven to 10 pounders down there. And then, uh, the last one's on Gunnersville in November which I had a great time on Gunnersville, And uh, Gunnersville in November, apparently, you just throw a frog. Like, just go frogging. So I was like, that just sounds fun. Like a blast. Just go do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's kind of the next step and probably fish that maybe for a few years or something just because, like, with a team event like that, I can, uh, I can go down there and I can learn the water so much faster. And a lot of those bodies of water in Alabama are where big events end up happening. So at least... If I were to fish the opens or, you know, maybe make the elites or whatever, I'd have experience, you know, 
guarantee, you know, the first Florida events, no experience, but then you go to one or two Alabama lakes every year. So you have some experience there. And then when you go North, I'm not really worried once you go North because I just, yeah. I fish up North. That's You're the home. It doesn't yeah. really matter where I am. Um, so the, at least you know half over half of your schedule then even if you're fishing the opens because the opens always go there too just because yeah. alabama's don't home with bass fishing yeah yeah that makes sense i mean you hear about a lot of guys that make it to the elites almost i guess prematurely um and then you hear them like when they have to swing north or you know central or south whatever it might be that they're like i don't know i've never fished there before we're gonna have to figure it out but you're kind of taking a smarter route of learning different areas to a, to an extent before you try to make that run. So I guess yeah. if you, yeah. um, well, theoretically, if you, when you make it to that stage, you actually have some knowledge and some lay of the land. Yeah. Just some knowledge of the areas at least like, cause it, it's at least nice. Like even if I haven't fished the lake, if I've been to Alabama before, like I haven't fished Pickwick, but like I've been to Gunnersville and Pickwick's, oh, you know, Pickwick. I think Pickwick's right next to Gunnersville or Wheeler, whatever. They're all right there. At least like I'm familiar with the area. Like I have traveled there before. So like I don't get there and feel lost. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I just want to have been there before and have some familiarity just in terms of like living, not even fishing. It yeah. just makes you feel better, I think. But yeah, I mean, that's my plan is to kind of do that. I'm fine with winging it too. But Sam and I have always talked about, you know, Sam wants to make the elites too. That's his ultimate dream as well. So him and I kind of have taken this different approach where Sam's getting experience in the back of the boat and everything. And I'm trying to get experience the way I can. But ultimately, when we go try to fish the opens, you know, respectively together, um, we'll be able to just network together. Whatever he's picked up on, he'll tell me and I'll tell him whatever I find in practice. So it's fine. But we already have that network kind of worked out and everything. It's just yeah. we're way too young to try to do it right now. Like those guys who are down south, like Jordan Lee and stuff, who made it through that, case, like they, they've been doing tournaments since they were like 10. Like yeah. I started when I was, like, you know, 16, 17. I'm seven years behind. I just need a little bit more time. Yeah. And like the Jordan Lees, those are rare cases of, you know, making the most out of college and then winning twice in a row when you're right out of college. Like, but he's also yeah, and then family, like his brothers and elites too. Like, it's it's a completely different scenario for them. And there's not really that many guys that are that young uh, out in the series. Like, you know, late twenties is considered young for mm-hmm. for the their elites or pros or anything for that matter. Um, yeah, and that's too like other way. Kind of Sam and I, I guess, have looked at it is. Um, with Sam having such a good YouTube presence and like I obviously kind of leech off of Sam's following on that. I'm a part of some of his videos and everything, but like it helps me and everything too, so it's fine. But like he has a better following than so many other elites or whatever. So like when he makes that switch and I make that switch, we already have that following. Like I'm not a brand new angler who's trying to get a YouTube following already got yeah. it. Like, you know, we already have that established. Yeah. Whereas like those guys now who are trying to do it, like more power to a lot of the guys who are trying to do it right now. But like, it's going to be really hard for them because they don't realize how difficult it actually is to go out and film and edit. And like, you have to stay diligent and updating people because otherwise you just have a bunch of GoPro clips and nobody knows what the hell just happened for the last yeah. eight hours. 
Like yeah. you actually have to sit down and be like, well, I don't have any fish now. I'm going to go to another spot. And like, it seems redundant, but you actually have to do it because when yeah. you edit it later, it doesn't make sense if you don't have that clip. And yeah. uh, that's what a lot of people are slowly learning now. But that, I think we're seeing a big resurgence or not resurgence, but like, I guess we're just seeing a big, you know, increase in guys who are going to YouTube channels. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a lot like, uh, I guess, I get, excuse me, you could compare it to an invasive species. Um, <laughs> it's seriously like when an invasive species takes over a lake, it goes way higher than its capacity actually can handle. And mm -hmm. right now that's what we're seeing with YouTube is like crazy high amount or even podcasts for that matter starting to get there yeah. just crazy high amount of saturation like it can't live off of that and what will yeah. ultimately happen is it's going to drop back down to a level where it can sustain and you'll have some you know intermixing of stuff going on but people are like oh it'll die out eventually it's not going to die out it's just the people who can't handle it are going to die yeah. out and that's yeah, where it'll be interesting yeah yeah youtube's not going to, if, if the, anything there's going to be a youtube made that's like a, a youtube-esque type of streaming service that's going to be made strictly just for people in the outdoors because too many mm -hmm. guys you see now are getting demonetized for like fishing videos and, and stuff like that um but it's yeah it's it's to see where that goes, it's huge right now but luckily we figured out ways to get around it um it's very difficult, but like you just do certain things and you you can get around it, but it's just kind of hard. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can tell you right now, if you made a YouTube channel, I think just off of people who know you already, you can have a few thousand subs in, in the first week. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That that yeah. makes me feel good. My plan is when I do go uh, decide to fish the opens, maybe even next year with the ABT one hundred going on. Um, I am going to do it just because like that's such a huge sponsor piece. And like, I've yeah. already edited on final cut. I've done it all. So like, I'm not going to lose that. I know how to do it. I know how to manage cameras. Plus I film all the stuff with Sobe now. So like, I yeah. know how to go through and do that all. So that's not very hard for me to just do. So I just don't want to, I almost feel like doing a YouTube channel prematurely is like making the elites too early because if you just go out there and make a few videos and then your channel sits dormant, you're just going to die out and it doesn't matter anyways. You want to yeah. hit it with the ground roll and a go because that's when you actually take off. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I personally made that big mistake where I started it four years ago and posted like once a month and then didn't do it much in college and then come mm -hmm. out of college, start posting it daily, and it's like I'm still sitting in that high 300. It's like it's hard to get yeah. rolling. Not that I care much. Yeah, it's – it's a, it's it is what it is, but um, but you got I, on the podcast game the right way. That's a big one. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun. I mean I don't, I don't really do it necessarily to grow. If it does, all the better. But I kind of like I, I started this because I'd scroll through Instagram and I'd see you know guys that you know would have high quality posts and things that you can learn from, but they not many people know about them because you know mm -hmm. they obviously like you said there's a huge saturation. So I kind of like made this to, to I want, I like talking fishing. I like talking in general. I can't really shut up when it comes to fishing. And I would just want to, you know, bring people on to learn about their story, learn about them and just kind of started with that thing. And now the ball's rolling and now we're on episode mid forties here. 
So it's mm-hmm. it's been cool, like having big names on, small name on, small names on. Like it's cool to just highlight people, you know, kind of like how yeah. to share. Them. And if it does grow and it gets bigger, all the better, because not only are they getting more exposure for them, you know, it helps me out in the long run too, and that you know gives me more of an incentive, I guess, in the the bigger picture to keep this going. You know, not just a small project, yeah, yeah. Sure. a six month deal, but it, it's pretty cool. I enjoy it, so it works out. Um, but I, dude, I feel like we could talk for hours about not even just fishing the North or fishing professionally or <laughs> whatever. Um, so we're going to have to have you on again for another episode so we can do like a continuation of it. Um, but, uh, we're going to want to head into a little bit of a segment here. Uh, it's, um, kind of just wanted to ask you, you know, for 2020, you know, what, what's to come for, for you? What, what are people, what can they expect to see from you? Obviously, you're gonna be doing tournaments, but is there any big plans in the works or anything? Um, I mean, for me personal, well, I, I guess there. I mean, working with Sam, yes, there's plans. Mm-hmm. Um, so anybody who watched our Attorney Tuesday videos next last year, those are gonna be back. Um, they were a hit. We had a blast doing it. I got much more used to wearing a GoPro, so we'll have much better footage <laughs> next year um stuff like that so we'll have tourney tuesdays will be back um and i know a lot of people are really excited for that i'm really excited for that too because it's just fun i mean filming's fun and all that uh the other big thing i guess that people can look out for sam told me he wanted me to say it was we will be doing the one part two because we have not caught a seven pounder yet um we just ran out of time sam needed to go hunting uh but we will be doing it (laughs) I'm not sure where or what we'll be doing. Like I mentioned earlier, we might go out to Cayuga to try to do it. Um, but we will be doing it, and we're going to catch a seven-pounder next year. Uh, that was just – yeah, that whole thing happened so fast. That was me driving home from work one day and calling Sam and going, dude, we should do this. And he's like, yeah, let's start it tomorrow. It's like, okay, I need to call <laughs> someone to get a sponsor. Called Blackfish and All-Terrain Tackle, and they sponsored it, and we were rolling immediately. But – those two things will be back. Other than that, uh, if you follow my Instagram, just Adam Bartusik, my name. Um, I'll be fishing tournaments all year. I'm hoping to be a little bit better about stories and just kind of posting stuff while I'm out there. Um, I'm just trying to interact with people more. And if people want to see it, you know, slide in the DMs and tell me you do, because if people actually enjoy watching it, I'll do it a lot more. If I don't know if anybody likes it, I'm probably not going to do it. So, you know, if it's stuff you like, see and tell me. Yeah, I mean, I personally would enjoy it, but not, it wouldn't hurt to just do like a simple Instagram poll. And depending on that feedback, they can kind of roll with, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, you know, moving forward, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm excited to see the the one series and the Tourney Tuesdays and everything. Um, I just like how he adds such intensity to the, the tournament videos. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah, Sam's well, so dramatic. He has the loosest drag out of anyone you'll ever meet in the world. <laughs> and I give him so much shit for it. Because every time he sets the hook on a Tuesday, he's like, it's a good one. I'm like, dude, it's two and three quarter. Get it in the boat. Like, I've been standing here for five minutes with a net. Like, it's not, <laughs> you don't need your drag that loose. And then we lost a fish because of it once, and then he tightened it. But, uh, and then I lost a fish because mine was too tight. So we've met in the middle there, but. At the start of the series, it was way too loose, and we were just giving each other a lot of crap for that. But, yes, he's very good at making things dramatic in the videos. And Sam's the best storyteller I know. So yeah. that's why he's so good at making his videos. 
he he's so good to like at conversation it seems like at just talking mm-hmm. to a kid not even just a camera but people in general like the the video him and and murray did of just walking around that huge ice fishing tournament just interviewing people dude i laughed my bought off on that video just have them asking weird random questions like it just seems like he's just a people person so he's perfect for what he does yeah, the, yeah. everybody loves sam so yeah it, it works out very well for him <laughs> that video was very funny i do agree yeah. i was very happy when that came up <laughs> um, i'm pretty excited though to see hopefully you guys can come to new york i would love to see you guys roll through and, and break it in in my home water so it'd be That'll be pretty awesome to see. I love to have yeah. the state show out, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, is there anything special with the one series that's going to be in part two, or do you guys stick in with the same same mantra, same mindset, or you guys change things up a bit? I know we want to catch this. I want to catch a seven pound brown and green in Minnesota, but like mm-hmm. it's really hard, especially brown. Like not a lot of seven pound brown fish. There really aren't. Um, gotta go to the Erie, lake, Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. The lake we were on that we filmed last fall definitely has them. Um, my buddy Aaron actually caught a, it was a seven ninety five out of there on his <laughs> Rapala scale. It was probably over eight pounds. It would have broke the state record, but he didn't put it in his boat cause he didn't know it was a state record. There's, that's a long story that we still give him a lot of crap for. Um, but he probably caught the state record out of that lake, and I've seen multiple mid-sevens out of there. It's just got them. Um, but obviously, they're really hard to find. That one Bankston caught was – that thing was huge. That Honestly, I wish we would have gotten measurements of that fish because I was right next to him when he caught it. He was actually sitting on a spot I was on like 10 minutes earlier. And uh, when he caught that, he came over to me, and I saw it. I went over to him and saw it, and I looked at it, and I, I honestly don't believe that fish was 20 inches long. Like, I don't think it was. It was the tallest fish I've ever seen in my life. I think the girth was over 20 inches. It was absurdly tall. It was just a different breed of fish, maybe 19 and a half, maybe 20 inches. It was so tall. Like, those pictures from Sam that took of it, it it wasn't even the wide angle lens. Like it was just a regular picture. Like it was that tall. It was unbelievable. But yeah, yeah we'll probably try to do that there. And I know we want to try to get bigger and I want to go out to New York. So I might just make him do that. <laughs> Cause that'd be fun. I'll just convince him that we can get a seven pounder on Cayuga. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to keep you updated on the, uh, the New York weather and water temps and tell you when it's about to fire off yeah. and- it should be yeah. that April, May month, uh, month time, but it's a long drive. It is a long drive, yeah. But uh, like, if you hit it, because we got a leg, <laughs> it's worth it though. Especially yeah, you... I don't care. That's fine. The average in that that time, the average bag people drop are twenty five. It's Jeez. it's ridiculous. Yeah, so it's it's a fun time, dude. Um, yeah, well, we can talk more about that offline, but. Um, we're going to wrap up a little bit here. I have some fun questions, like these two questions I like to ask at the end. But before we do, are there any shout-outs you want to give? I know you mentioned your social media, which we'll link down below uh, in the description. Um, but is there any shout-outs, any pro staff, anything you want to shout-out here before we head into the, the wrap-up segment? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, just follow my social media. You'll see all my sponsors there. But big time, just got to give a shout-out to Intune Marine. They helped me get my new boat. They helped Sam and I out a ton in general and uh, a lot of guys in the midwest so 
they're great. Uh, Dobbins rods use all their rods and everything. Been with them forever. And then uh, all terrain tackle and blackfish. Big reason I shout them out is uh, I run their college and high school staff. So if there's any college or high school teams listening to this that need a jig or apparel sponsor next year, slide in my DMs and uh, hopefully we can figure something out. We do have a bunch of college fishermen who do listen to this. So guys are listening right now. wide open. Just know that I am busy. So if I don't reply for a few days, just don't blow me up, please. (laughs) I will get there. (laughs) (laughs) Good good to know. Good to know. But yeah, so we're just gonna we're gonna head to the the fun questions then. But uh blackfish has been one thing I was looking at too, because apparel wise they actually looked very intriguing. But it's the one thing I think is incredible. As, like you're from up north, so you deal with cold weather. Like their soft shell yeah. wear is unbelievable. It really is. I'll have to uh, check it out, or maybe steal yours when you if you come up to New York. I'll I'll head to the yeah. ramp and steal yours out of your boat. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll check into it one way or another. But um, yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you with these questions, and uh, well, I mean we're already over an hour today, which is uh, you know it's a it's a good time when people are talking for that long about about fishing, but. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I'll come back for sure because we could go oh, heck longer. Yeah. Heck <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're always welcome, dude. Um, so my first question to you is if you could sit down and have dinner with any three people, past or present, doesn't have to be fishing, who would it be? Reggie Miller. Okay. The basketball cool. player? I'm a big basketball basketball fan so those are my two basketball just because like reggie miller is probably the greatest trash talker of all time and like i'm <laughs> i'm a pretty big trash talker i'm just a competitor so like i'd love that uh I'm kobe big. for you know all the reasons yeah. uh someone else maybe a childhood hero huh it's maybe a childhood hero yeah i don't i don't really have like i'm trying to think of a fisherman but like Honestly, I've met a ton of them, like whether it's Elite Series or whatever. So, like, I know a lot of them. Um, and I look up to a ton of them, but like, I want to pick someone big. And like, I've never had a ton of huge fishing heroes because I kind of got myself into it. Um, yeah. I just like watching the sport. But uh, I'm going to hate myself for not thinking of this. Oh, can I pick a fictional character? Sure. You can pick whoever you want. Harry Potter, 100%, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah. Harry Potter guy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Me, Felix, and Jody White talk about it all the time on Twitter. So if you like Harry Potter tweets, yeah, <laughs> come at me on Twitter. That's... Me, Felix, and uh, Jody White get into it pretty often. We're huge That's Harry Potter funny. fans. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty... Jody never like, mentioned I that. I had him on the podcast a little bit ago. He never mentioned you as a Harry Potter fan. That's funny. Yeah. I'm going to have to go give him some crap for it. I'm not, yeah, not yeah. that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, cool, dude. I, I've never had a fictional character as one of the three, so that's a first. Yeah, no, definitely taking Harry Potter. That's that one popped in my head. I was like, oh, I got actually. Well, technically, I would rather take Albus Dumbledore in that, but I just came up with that because it was from the series. So, final answer is Albus Dumbledore. Okay, but we got there in a roundabout way. I like it. I like it. So, last question. This is the one um, that I wrap everything up with. Uh, it's plain and simple. Just your your favorite fishing memory. Oof, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Well, first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. So there's 
there's actually two of them and they're both they're both six pounders uh, that i <laughs> well i caught one of them um second day of the saint jude uh actually we were fishing against sam and alex uh Peric in that and there's a video of that out there somewhere but um after day one sam and alex were beating me and uh, a friend of mine michael at the time and uh we we're down by like two and a half pounds but in the last like 15 minutes me and michael had caught like a four pounder and we had pulled into a spot we got locked out of where we were supposed to be and like got back with like 15 minutes left hit one spot and ran in and i looked at michael i was like shoot i wish we would have gotten up for earlier and didn't get locked out because they're probably there now and uh Sobe and Peric were talking a bunch of trash and uh, i looked at sam and i went dude i'm i swear to god if they're there tomorrow i'm gonna catch 24 pounds and he was like what i was and this is for six fish and i was like i will catch 24 pounds tomorrow and he's like all right and we, me and uh, Michael ran up there and pulled up. And I just looked at him. I had my rod in my hand. And I, like, flipped out a short cast because you never want to catch one on the first cast. Reeled it in. Next cast, chucked it down on it, hit the bottom, set the hook. And I thought I hooked the log. Then it jumped. It was like a six-pound smallie. Never actually weighed it in for big fish because someone weighed a seven-pound largey right before me. Uh-huh. Um, but that one. And then the other one is uh, in the Blackfish tournament this year. Um, I literally fished a tournament the day before it on Minnetonka and I saved one spot all day because I told my partner, Matt, one of my best friends that there were fish there and we were going to start there. And, uh, me and Matt pulled up to it and he was like, where is it? And I was like, right here. And I cast it there and I set the hook on like a two and a half, three pounder. He cast it there, caught a two and a half, cast it back, caught a two and a half. And I was sitting there throwing all the fish in the live well. And uh, when I finally got re-rigged, I got up to cast, and he had just cast and set the hook again. And it just went, I was like, oh, that sounds bigger. And it jumped. And I was like, oh, my God. It was a six-pounder. It was like 587. Netted it, looked at him. I was like, oh, my God, we're 10 minutes in. We almost got a limit. We got a six-pounder already. This is great. Everything's going <laughs> awesome. Was that a largey or small? That was a largey. Yeah. And contrary to popular belief i know seth says this all the time when he gets interviewed too about uh up north in minnesota everybody thinks about us as smallmouth gurus i bet 80 percent of our tournaments up here are one on largies mm-hmm. so uh yes we're very good at smallmouth fishing because the lakes they're in they're really prevalent and like they're so yeah. fun to fish for we always do it but yeah. most of our tournaments are one on largemouth because you can pretty much guarantee those patterns for largemouth more than you would a smallmouth pattern they're, yeah, they're more exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the smallie tournaments tend to be one. Uh, well, you can't weigh them in the fall. That's a problem. We have this, we have these weed DNR regulations. Uh, middle of September, they cut off smallmouth season. So, like, you can't weigh them then, anyways. So, like, you could win in the fall off of smallies, but you don't get the chance to. And the only time they're otherwise one is really, you know, May to June-ish when they're pre-spawn on beds or you're catching them on a hair jig right after. In the summer, you don't really get into them because they get so domatic. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, It's you see that a lot of guys just pretty much going back to their largemouth patterns in tournaments when they know that they can win on the smallmouth, but they don't want to bank on that pattern not being there and then screwing everything up. But it's, it's Yeah, I screwed myself out of going to the uh, – national team tail championship because of that last year me yeah. and hayden found a smallmouth pattern on a lake post spawn they're all giant probably only gonna get seven bites 
went out, caught a four and a half right away. We were like, all right, we're dedicated to it. And then a thunderstorm came through and we definitely should have abandoned it and gotten to large belt, but we mm. stuck it out and never caught another smallie. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's all decision making, but uh, yeah. Well, dude, I got to say, I mean, we're almost at an hour and 15 minutes already, but uh, I got to say, we're definitely going to have you on um, pretty soon here. We'll have a, we'll wait till the tournament season starts a little bit and we'll get like a, you know, the first couple tournament, like a season update from you. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm excited to see what you're going to do. We're going to stay in touch. I'm pretty excited to see what you do and stay with you and stick with you on your your road to the, the Elite Series. Uh, I think that that's a cool little segment for you. I'm sure that, that's been done somewhere, but, you know, Road to the Elites or something like that for your, your YouTube channel you create once you... Yeah, yeah, that'll be in the plans, and it'll eventually happen. But right now, it's a long, drawn-out yeah. process. We're <laughs> in the very rookie stages of it. Um, yeah. But more for financial reasons. Just got yeah. away right now. Being smart with it, yeah. Totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking the time today and hopping on here. It was a blast. I can, you're welcome on here whenever you want. It was fun talking <laughs> to you, and I appreciate it, dude. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Stay in touch. Yeah, will do, man. Have a good night. Yep. Peace. So I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation we had with Adam. Uh, It was a blast to have him on here to talk about different things, bass fishing, tournament fishing, Minnesota, Northeast, whatever have you. Um, It was a blast to talk fishing with him. Uh, I could talk for hours. I hope you guys enjoyed that too, and I hope you guys are as excited as I am for this guy to start his YouTube channel, to chase his dream, to go after the Bassmaster Elite Series. Uh, I know he's going to get it. I got faith in him. I got confidence, and I'm rooting for him, uh, as you guys should too. So go down in the description and follow him on social media. You do not want to miss what this guy's capable of. So uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a blast watching his, his, uh, his road to the Elite Series. So stay tuned. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, subscribe to the YouTube channel, like this video, comment down below what you think, and uh, we'll see you next time. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler Podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me, you know, pay the bills which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.